Show me the science with Professor Luke O'Neill. Hello, Luke O'Neill here, and you're all very, very welcome to my Show Me The Science podcast. Now, this week, a request has come in. Now, I'm very, very happy, I've said this before, to try and cover topics that people want me to cover. I'll do my very best. And I've had about five requests in the past four weeks. You've been all be very active on the request front. Uh, and I, I, I can't do them all. Some of them I wouldn't know an awful lot about, so I apologise if your request isn't being filled. But this one I do know a lot about, and it's inflammatory bowel disease. And I've done one before on rheumatoid arthritis. I did one on celiac, if I remember rightly. And those ones seem to go down well with people. And obviously... It's very important for people to have these diseases to learn about them. Always good to know what's going on with your disease. We all have some kind of disease. I myself have to have mild psoriasis, for instance. So, so we and I'm lucky enough it isn't that severe, thankfully. But people have diseases, and it's really good to learn about the disease you've got and what's going on. And of course, my job is to give you the latest breakthroughs in research and and to tell you what's happening with new treatments that are coming down the track and so on. So I'm always very happy to bring these topics to you. Now, this one, inflammatory bowel disease, very very close to my heart because. You know what? In 1985, before Owen was born, I think, uh, I worked on Crohn's disease. It was the first disease I worked on in my career. And I've always worked on inflammatory diseases of various kinds. The second big disease I spent years on was rheumatoid arthritis, for example. So I've always worked on inflammation. And, and lately, of course, COVID. My lab works on COVID. That's an inflammatory condition of the lungs. So I've always had inflammation as part of my thing if you will. But the first inflammatory disease was Crohn's disease. Uh, It's an inflammatory bowel disease, as many of you will know. Uh, This is 85, I began working on it. Now, back then, the treatments were atrocious. It was really awful. They mainly gave patients steroids. Now, steroids are very potent anti-inflammatory compounds. They can suppress inflammation, but they're not great because they've got massive side effects. And you can't be on them for too long. You get hard up. They, they can relieve an acute attack and bring some relief, and that's why they're used, of course. But that was the only drug. It was a terrifying business. The one of other drugs, but that was the main one that was used. And my project way back then was to understand the inflammatory process in Crohn's. Uh, We got patient samples, never forget it, uh, from James's. That was very vivid. That were the first patients I would have met. And they they were people in hospital with Crohn's. And they were on steroids. Uh, We took blood from them. We measured certain inflammatory markers in their blood. And my supervisor at the time, Clayton Love, give Clayton a shout out. He's unlikely to be listening, but he's retired now. But he he, uh, said to me, oh, measure, measure stuff in their blood. And we did. And then the ones on steroids, an inflammatory marker called prostaglandin seemed to be lower in the patients on steroids. And that was a good sign that the drugs were working and it suggested prostaglandins were important because the steroids were... I mean, no, prostaglandins were involved in pain and various things. That's my first experiment. That was a crappy experiment. I think I had two patients. He couldn't have published it by any stretch of the imagination. But to me, the thrill of, of actually taking a patient sound as a student at the time was tremendous. I was hooked, actually, then on, on working on inflammation seeing patients up close and all that kind of thing. It was great. So anyway, that was, that was the first disease I worked on. Now, let's look at what they are. There's two types of inflammatory bowel disease, Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. They're very similar. They both affect the digestive system. Crohn's is the more troublesome one, you might say, because anywhere from the mouth all the way through the tract, all the way down, anywhere can become badly inflamed. It's red, it's swollen, it's sore, it's not working properly. The lesions, these these patches of inflammatory tissue are full of immune cells. There's loads of macrophages, T-cells. That's why we've always worked on it as an immunologist. It's a very important disease because the immune system is going out of control and attacking your stomach or your colon or your mouth or or whatever. And it's horrible, you know. And all these symptoms begin to emerge because of all that injury. Colitis is a bit different. It only affects the colon and rectum. 
so it's more localised. But, but to all intents and purposes, there's massive overlap between them. You do see slight differences in some of the lesions, which I'll come back to. Big breakthrough in the past months, which I'm telling you. Uh, but overall, both of them are inflammatory. And what are the, what are the uh, symptoms? Well, it's massive diarrhoea because the gut doesn't work properly because it's all inflamed. Very painful. Pain would be number one, actually, for most patients. Real awful discomfort. Now, it's a horrible, these are horrible diseases because people just can't go to school, they can't go to work, they can't socialise because of all this pain and they've got a bit of pain the whole time in your, in your gut. Massive bleeding, they get anemia and you will die. If, if it's not treated, this gets so severe, there's a high mortality. Now, of course, we have these treatments to, to help and millions and millions of people all over the world are suffering as I talk now with these two diseases and it's it's a huge medical problem as a result now then the causes let's get on to that we don't know I mean this is the shocking truth of it there's been huge progress though we know the bugs in your gut are very important and as you, as you might all know by now because I've spoken about this before if you're a regular the microbiome or the bacteria that live in your gut, they go really weird in these diseases because you measure, take samples, and you can measure the bacteria, and there's a lot less diversity. It's a bit like you've hacked away two-thirds of the Amazon jungle down there, uh, and a third is left, and, and that's less diverse, and that creates pressure on the system, we think. Uh, so there's something going on with the bugs in your gut. Now, the trouble is, is it cause or effect? You know, they could be just getting disturbed because of all the inflammation. There is evidence that there's a causative role here. The trouble is, they haven't tied down which bacteria it is. It's really different between people. It doesn't help. Like, you'd like to identify a bacteria that's abundant that's causing the disease, wouldn't you? Antibiotics have been tried. They don't really work to kill these bacteria, but that maybe it's the wrong antibiotic. But it's a very active area trying to figure out the microbial disturbance in this in these diseases and maybe trying to correct it. And that might work, and a huge amount of effort is going into that. And there's a really compelling piece of evidence in a minute uh, to support that it's bacteria that are going wrong in a way in this disease. So there's something going on in the bugs in your gut anyway that tie into the disease. Diet seems to be relevant to some extent. Again, very mixed. Uh, different patients respond differently to different diets, so that's not great. Literally, 2022, I've just seen now, the recommendation is there, though. A healthy diet helps. Loads of fruit and veg. Less meat seems to be beneficial. Decreases the risk of attacks if you eat less meat. That seems to be holding up whatever the meat is doing. It's irritating the gut in some way. It might be irritating the bacteria, we don't know. So there's something about diet, but again, no clear evidence there. Like, it's not as if that's going to crack it for us, really. We do know that the barrier, the, the gut barrier, the wall of the gut gets breached. That breaks down, and then bacteria might get into the wrong place. So loads of research is going on. Can you protect the barrier and stop it breaking down? And there's been a bit of progress there. But the big progress that's happened is genetics. So they began taking Crohn's patients and ulcerative colitis patients and looking at their genes to see what variants they were carrying in 2001 never forget it 2001 a big breakthrough a gene called NOD2 NOD2 was found a variant to give you a high risk of getting Crohn's now I'd worked on these NOD type proteins and I wrote a big commentary at the time on it uh, because it was a big breakthrough this it was the first really compelling gene what does NOD2 do it senses bacteria so now that's good because and, and the broken one if you will the variant is less able to sense the bacteria maybe it overreacts it's still not fully clear what that NOD2 variant is doing but certainly NOD2 if it's different gives you an increased risk of Crohn's and that's tied into the inflammation and the sensing of the bacteria in various ways and that's good because it supports the notion of a bacterial uh, defect if you will and an immune imbalance of some kind because NOD2 is an immune sensor that senses bacteria and then other genes were found IL-23 receptor 
IRGM, they're kind of other complicated names, they are shown to associate with the disease as well. And they're front and centre in the immune system, and IL-23 is especially interesting. I'll come back to that a bit later. Of course, all this tells us it's an autoimmune disease, because these immune genes are different in the people with these diseases, and they go rogue. And they begin overactivating the immune system to attack your own gut, in this case, or your digestive system. There's over 200 genes have been found, so it's hugely complicated is the problem, and different people have different sets of genes. So again, that's a challenge too. So, and, and you're getting the message now, a lot of work into these diseases, huge amount of science, huge, how, tens of thousands of publications. And the bottom line would be we're getting close, but it's still a very complicated situation. There won't be one answer, but as I'll explain in a minute, uh, there is a bit of real hope on the horizon. Now, it starts in your late teens, early 20s, and that's a horrible age to get this disease just when your life is beginning. Uh, so again, we need to be able to get better medicines. Now, treatments, surgery is the first one, and and, and I've always said this, we look back in 100 years and say, you mean you got a knife out and cut a per- person's gut out? I mean, how crude is that? But yet, cutting out the bit that's offending, if you will, the lesions is useful. It can be a lifesaver. The other thing to say, by the way, is where there is inflammation, there's a risk of cancer developing there. So again, surgery is justified often and many people have surgery and it helps them. Uh, it's not an answer because cutting out a lot of your gut is hardly useful because your gut doesn't work normally after, does it? Uh, and that creates lifelong pain and suffering in people but still it's, it's not as bad as the disease so surgery is one thing that can be used and then there's various drugs as I said steroids work a drug called mesalazine that was discovered to work in especially ulcerative colitis nobody quite knows how that drug works shockingly we know it seems to dampen down the inflammatory process so that's good that's its main way of acting but still precisely how mesalazine works but still it's a useful drug and then the the, the, the breakthrough came with these things called cytokines, I've mentioned them before. I mentioned them before in the case of rheumatoid. These are immune proteins made overly in the gut. TNF is one of them, and TNF gets made in the gut and drives a lot of the inflammation. And blocking TNF can work in about twenty percent of patients, which is good. One in five, maybe more, depends on the on the group, I suppose. I do see benefit from turning off TNF, and that was an add-on that wasn't there when I began, and it is helping. One in five patients is good. The other one to mention is IL-23 that I mentioned earlier. It's another cytokine, another immune protein. There's a drug called Ustikinumab. Great name, these names, that's what it's called. That will block IL-23. And another one called IL-12, it blocks two of them simultaneously. And that works. That seems to, again, a certain percent of patients. So now the VISTA isn't quite as bad. If If you've Crohn's, or ulcerative colitis, there are these therapeutic options that weren't there when I began, mainly anti-TNF and eustachinumab, for instance. Uh, they're the new ones. There's one or two others out there too, and they are providing some benefit to patients. Uh, the frontier, by the way, seems to be stem cell therapies. In other words, can you inject cells into the gut to counter the inflammation and repair the barrier breach? Wouldn't that be tremendous? And, and in fact, Arden, I just saw this week, uh, Takeda are going to have a stem cell therapy unit to make stem cells. One of their goals is to treat inflammatory bowel disease with these stem cells. So the future may well be to inject cells, take cells from your body, reprogram them, put them back into your body, into the place where they're needed in the gut, and that might repair the damage that's been done. Again, that there's a real hope around stem cell therapy. But the last thing I want to mention is uh, a great paper came out, I think about two or three months ago now in Nature Medicine, 
by a good friend of mine, Fiona Parry. I know Fiona quite well. She is in Oxford. She's a world expert on inflammatory bowel disease. She made a massive breakthrough about 20 years ago on a type of T cell called T regs, which go crazy. Uh, they stop working in, 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 in inflammatory bowel disease. And they're a suppressive T cell. So the, in other words, the inflammatory process is out of control because you're losing a break in the form of these T regs. That's Fiona's big discovery, which was tremendous. But her latest paper is incredible. She took loads and loads of patient samples. And she was able to stratify the patients into six subtypes. So now, instead of having just one type of inflammatory bowel disease, be it Crohn's or UC colitis, the six subtypes. And she was using really, really elaborate, uh, high-tech ways to measure gene expression, to measure proteins, all these different thousands and thousands of variables. That's the beauty of science now. We can measure all this stuff now in people. Uh, And she got six subtypes. One of them had a really severe course, really horrible pustular lesions and that subtype involved NLRP3 and IL-1 the things I work on and those people who had that subtype did not respond to anti-TNF you see and they didn't respond to anti-TNF because they were a different type of inflammatory bowel disease now you can see where we're going with this maybe there are six subtypes and you'll tailor the therapy for each specific subtype. So if you give all the people the anti-TNF and only one in five respond, it's because that, that's the one in five who have the TNF signature, as it will, as it were. The four and five don't have the TNF signature. Don't give them the drug, it won't work on them. So now we now know why maybe only one in five respond, because the others have a, have a, have a slightly different disease. It's almost as if there's uh, lots of different roads that end up at the same place, right? That place being diarrhea and bleeding and pain. If you're on one road, right, if you block that road, that, then you won't develop the disease. There's no point blocking that road if you're on a different road, is it, towards that disease? So maybe now there'll be a subtype that will respond to our drug, the NLRP3 inhibitor with IL-1. And of course, we're very interested in this now because of Fiona's work and we're going to do a trial in that subtype. So you can see now there's great hope because we now know a lot more about the subtypes. We know a lot more about what's going wrong in these subtypes and then we can tailor drugs to each subtype and ultimately maybe cell therapy might be the answer as well. So if you happen to have these diseases or if you know someone who does, never forget all these scientists all over the world are working very hard on your behalf to try and discover new therapies and new treatments to stop Crohn's disease and colitis in its tracks which will be tremendous especially for teenagers and people in their early 20s when it first starts. So I've never sort of uh, uh, been, been as hopeful in a way about this. And remember, I've been doing this since 1985. Uh, and now I can tell you, in the coming years, there will be more therapeutic options to stop these diseases in their tracks, which is what this is all about. So there you have it, the science of inflammatory bowel disease. As ever, thanks very much for listening. And of course, my podcast is available for download every Thursday, and it's a news talk production.